This is episode number 039 of the Reno Slant. If there was ever a time Nevada baseball needed the baseball gods, it's now. Welcome to the Reno Slant, the podcast for Northern Nevada sports fans, where an award-winning sports writer and his Nevada alum brother discuss Nevada football, Nevada basketball, and, well, pretty much everything else Nevada, except for the Loyalist Chicago tournament game. We don't talk about that. Here are your bro hosts, Adam and Nathan Schau. We thought the Air Force series was tough. That was nothing. Uh, Nevada had a really, really tough weekend last weekend at home against Fresno. The pack got swept, and the series, just as you could maybe suggest from a sweep, it was not particularly close. So Adam and I will share what the sweep means for Nevada's playoff hopes, which are not dead. Nevada still has a shot at getting into the Mountain West Conference Tournament, so we'll break down that scenario. And then we're back to two guests this week, big time. Big show this week. We're going with Nevada center fielder uh, Jalen McLaughlin. Uh, Jalen is in the middle of a breakout year, transitioning from middle infield to center field. He can certainly fly. So what's led to his breakout season? Was the move to outfield tough for him? And really, how's the feeling on the team right now with their backs really against the wall and basically down to zero room uh, for error? Uh, so great catching up with Jalen. And then we also have Kane Milling. He was the first recruit of the Steve Alford era, 6'4 combo guard from France. We recorded with him Monday afternoon. We we're excited to have the first recruit. And then it was like an hour later, Zane Meeks, <laughs> the 6'9 big man, uh, uh, 6'9 big man, uh, committed as well. So great catching up with Kane. Uh, why did he pick Nevada? Because it moved pretty fast for him between the the new coaching staff, Craig Neal uh, becoming assistant coach, and then him signing here at Nevada. What does he know about Reno living in France, and what what sort of transition is he expecting coming from France to playing collegiate ball at the Division One level? Of course, we're also going to break down the San Jose Eight series this weekend for Nevada baseball and, and what that series means. Nevada likely is going to need its first sweep of the Mountain West Conference regular season, and then get some help. As I mentioned, we'll get to that later in the show. And then for slants, games of weekend, or games of the weekend, we're adding a new one this week, one that we'll probably touch on multiple times over the course of the summer, Pro Dudes. Uh, so we're going to share our thoughts on uh, the Aces and Reno 1868 FC, what they're up to at this point. I'm super excited for Adam to have to dig into those. <laughs> and uh, social... As always, some really good questions from you guys. Is Matt Mummy on the hot seat? Kentucky Derby drama, and we got into some Boise baseball as well. And then, as always, you know, we're getting out of here on Random Reno. Our iTunes five-star review of the week is brought to you by our friends over at Toyabi Golf Club. And our iTunes five-star review of the week comes from a Reno web developer. It's a Reno web D-E-V uh, just the best Nevada sports podcast there is. Short and to the point review. This is the best Nevada sports podcast there is. It's a great listen any time of the day. And you get to ask the guy questions while he's parked in a parking lot. <laughs> What's not to love? And if there is a more accurate description of the podcast, I <laughs> we need to do some searching because that's, uh, that's spot on. 
<laughs> you can listen to this thing all times of the day, and I do ask for questions on Tuesdays while parked in a parking lot. So, a Reno web developer, we certainly appreciate the love. Make sure you get in touch with us, and we will send golf for two your way to Toyabi Golf Club. If you want to hit Toyabi Golf Club for free next week, simply leave an iTunes five-star review, and maybe we'll pick you on next week's show. Toyabi Golf Club is south of Reno. It is north of Carson in the beautiful Washoe Valley. Toyabi Golf Club is just a 30-minute drive down 395 from Lawler Event Center. It is open to the public. Make sure you book your tee times today at toyabigolfclub.com. I did not go golfing again this past weekend. That's two weekends in a row. A game I'm sure is starting to really fall apart (laughs) at this point. Uh, And I'm running out of time to go golfing and it not be 583 degrees down here in Vegas. Uh, But whether you're looking for some fun stuff to wear in the golf course yourself this summer, you got some Tahoe trips planned and you're trying to change up the wardrobe a little bit, planning for the next crawl, planning for festivals. Maybe you're coming down to Vegas here in a couple weeks for EDC. You're going to join me under the electric sky. (laughs) You need to visit tipsyelves.com. For all of uh, mineral clothing for life's biggest moments. Takes, tees, swimwear. we got some really funny Hawaiian shirts, golf wear. I, we, we've been talking about the last couple weeks. They always have a ton of sales going on. One of them right now, uh, Tipsy Elves is really, one of their things is their really sick ski suits that people can wear on the mountain. And you can get those at a massive discount right now. Uh, you can hear our conversation with co-founder and read alum Nick Morton. On episode 017, so you can pick up your ski suit for next winter or start putting together the rest of your summer wardrobe together today at tipsyelves.com and specifically for you, yes you, listening to this podcast right now. If you go to tipsyelves.com and enter promo code SLANT20, that earns you 20% off checkout. That's promo code SLANT20 for 20% off checkout at tipsyelves.com. Dot com. We mentioned it was a, a really rough weekend for Nevada baseball this past weekend. Apicoli, uh getting swept aside by Fresno. They lost game 1-5-3, lost game 2-8-1, lost game 3-8-2. We said that Fresno staff is, is legit, and they proved it, holding Nevada to six runs in 27 innings. So after winning seven of eight, getting really hot and starting to feel a lot better about things, Nevada has now lost five of six Mountain West games. It's 25 and 24, 11 and 16 in Mountain West play in sixth place out of seven teams. As we mentioned, not eliminated, but with only one series left in the regular season for Nevada. Uh, this is pretty much it. This is Hail Mary time for Nevada. So, bro, I'll go to you. I mentioned a couple points there. What What is something you took away from Nevada getting swept at home? Well, I was there on Friday night, and aside from it being very cold later in the game, uh, it just there wasn't really, uh, or it just didn't seem like there was much uh, kind of life. You know, nothing really could get strung together. And then in the six, you had Caleb Foster had a big three run shot. Mm-hmm. I I didn't think it was going to get over, but it cleared it easily. So I'm an idiot, but. Yep. Once he hit, once he hit that ball, it kind of seemed like that was the breath of life that Nevada needed. But then going into the seventh, they gave a run back. So I mean, it just 
it just seemed like nothing could really get pieced and strung together, which in the sport of baseball, that's what you got to do. You got to put pieces together and, you know, back to back. And so I thought after, I thought after the game on Friday, you know, I didn't have, uh, you know, super high confidence from, you know, the first couple innings, mm-hmm. you know, how it was going. But once, you know, Caleb Foster had that shot, you were just, I was really hoping that it was going to rejuvenate. And the crowd was, you know, the crowd at Piccoli was good. Like, you know, they were loud. They were screaming. There was a group of, uh, they looked like athletes that were heckling, uh, heckling Fresno pretty good, which is always entertaining. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. They were, they were getting after him, which I thought was hilarious. That's right. Yeah. But just, just a little disappointing, you know, obviously we can say disappointing weekend, but, um, yeah, that game one thought when they were, Gonna reel it in. Couldn't, couldn't quite, couldn't quite do it. We talked about last week that Nevada was gonna have to string some hits together to score some runs because Fresno's a team that doesn't give up a lot of home runs. You mentioned the Caleb Foster three run shot on Friday that get him, got him within 4-3. That was the only home run for Nevada all weekend. And Nevada leads the conference in, in home runs. That was only the second home run of the year that Ryan Jensen allowed. So shout out to Caleb Foster for I mean, that was obviously the biggest hit of the weekend. That was the closest Nevada was really in the entire series. And that was it. I mean, they didn't score again that game. End up losing 5-3, and they get kind of routed in games two and three. I mean, in game two, David uh, Davis Moore throws a complete game, gave up just three hits. And in game three, again, we mentioned need to string some hits together. Nevada left nine guys on base. And that's how you end up getting swept in a series. The timing could not have been worse. For, for this team. Um, so I guess just the first point from you and I both would just be the team struggled to string things together. And uh, that, that's who end up getting swept on, on your home field, which is uh, was too bad. It was too bad for the, the last regular season conference series of the year. Yeah, I mean, you're just really hoping for some sort of magic. I mean, you see the writing on the wall. The team had obviously struggled in the last series. Fresno's playing particularly well. Mm-hmm. And it's something that we just, we touched on the last week's episode and this kind of more or less goes without saying, but I'm going to say it because I like to be plain. I like to put things out <laughs> clear English for everybody. So you give up a lot of runs in baseball. You're not going to win a lot of games. And you know, five wasn't particularly out of reach, especially with the stat you love to throw out there. If in they would have got to my six, I know they would have won that one. Would have got to six. I mean, clear as day, market a dub. It's in the book, but you give up eight runs in game two and game three. Just the way the bats have calmed down. It's, I mean, it, it just kind of all, I don't know. It all just kind of seemed like it, like the, uh, the air just completely got let out. And yeah, you can't, you can't put the fault completely on the pitching staff. Yeah. I did give up more runs than you would like to see. But then again, you do also got to look back. You give up six or you put up six runs in three games. I mean, I don't care who you're playing. That's not going to help in any series. That's where I was going to go next. There are some old problems reemerging at the plate right now at the worst time. Something that was happening earlier in the year was Nevada was striking out a ton. Nevada struck out 35 times in the three games. That's way too many. Uh, Nevada now has the most strikeouts in the Mountain West, and it's not particularly close. They've struck and they've they fanned 416 times. That was before the loss to Sac State on Tuesday night. Air Force was at 387. So Nevada has a pretty good uh, margin there for most strikeouts in the Mountain West. That's 8.6, give or take, per game. And that's given up a lot of outs every single night. 
and that's certainly mm-hmm. tough to overcome as well. Uh, did you have anything else to mention from the series? Uh, other than Northern Nevada still is cold at night. If anybody's curious, <laughs> a light jacket is not enough. I found that out the hard way. <laughs> that, that That's not the case down here. It's it's already warm. Yeah, but I will here. say the, the concession stand hot dogs. That, that, Money, that's, a save, huh? that's a save my life in the bottom of the eighth. <laughs> if there was a positive from that series, something we talked about a lot last week was that there were going to be a lot of eyes on the starters because they have been struggling. And none of the starters were great, but Ryan Anderson and Owen Charts did both get to the sixth inning. Ryan threw five and a third, six hits, four runs, four walks, a lot of walks, and that just wasn't good enough against Ryan Jensen. Then Owen in game two goes five and two thirds, gives up six runs, four were earned, five walks. So him and Ryan both uh, struggled with command a little bit. And then unfortunately, Jake Jackson. He only got one out. He didn't get out of the first inning. He just hasn't been able to get back on track this year, it seemed. He had the, the injury to start the year and just never really felt like he's been able to get into a rhythm uh, in his sophomore season after being a freshman All-American last year. Um, so that's just an, another nuance to what, to this point, has been a disappointing year for Nevada. Now we'll see. You know, Maybe, maybe they can, can light some fireworks this weekend and get some help and uh, this thing could be getting all turn to all kinds of fun. Um, so I was looking at the playoff scenarios for Nevada, and we are let me be clear: we are not a math podcast. And the standings <laughs> are all kinds of complicated because teams have played different numbers of games; they've had games canceled. So you're looking at win percentages, and here's kind of where we are at this point: Nevada is 11 and 16. Air Force is in fifth place at 10 and 13. And it's basically a game and a half ahead of Nevada. And then UNLV and San Jose State are tied for third and fourth place at 12 and 12. And that's ballpark two and a half games ahead of Nevada. So with a sweep this weekend, if Nevada can go to San Jose State, and we'll preview the series after we hear um, from Jalen and, uh, and, excuse me, and from Kane, uh, we'll preview that series certainly. But if Nevada can sweep San Jose State this weekend, it will be, uh, not a math podcast, 14 and 16. So Nevada will be 14 and 16. San Jose State would be 12 and 15. So that would give Nevada about a one and a half game lead. Again, this is all very shaky math here. Uh, so it would give Nevada an edge over, over San Jose State. San Jose State would play at Air Force next weekend. Nevada is done with Mountain West play after this weekend. And then Air Force would essentially need to win two of three for Nevada to get in, but for Nevada to still stay ahead of Air Force. So, again, a lot of moving parts here. A lot needs to fall in line for Nevada. That would leave Nevada at 14 and 16, Air Force at 12 and 14, and that would leave Nevada ahead of Air Force by percentage points. I mean, 466 to 461, the difference would be, and San Jose State would be 13 and 17. So basically, Nevada has to sweep San Jose State this weekend. Then next weekend, you look at San Jose State and Air Force, and you need Air Force to take two of three from San Jose State. That's at Air Force. There is a scenario where Nevada doesn't sweep this weekend and still gets in. I think it's Nevada has to win two of three, 
And then you need UNLV to get swept at New Mexico and then at home against Fresno. And I would, I would say that's the least likely scenario. So, um, first things first, Nevada has to find a way to win three games in a row this weekend. And the way the team's playing right now, uh, that could be a tall order. Well, I'm glad you took that because I looked at the standings last night and said, nope, when I tried counting up half games and stuff. I started doing this the other night. I'm like, this is a pain. I, yeah. I, I regret doing this. I'm halfway into it now. I gotta, I gotta finish this thing. <laughs> you're, you're committed and you knew I wasn't doing it. So, so, so I hope that made sense. Nevada's got to sweep this weekend. San Jose State has to lose two of three to Air Force next weekend. That's basically it. That's basically it. by our math standards, which we've established are very low. Very yeah, low math stands in this podcast. Don't, don't quote us. Or don't quote them. <laughs> so uh, we'll, we'll keep it with Nevada baseball here. I mentioned we got Jalen McLaughlin on the show this week. Nevada is really fast. Uh, speedy junior center fielder having a breakout season this year. It's fun catching up with Jalen. And uh, here's that conversation. Okay, Jalen. Uh, love that we could get you on this week. We certainly appreciate you making some time. Uh it was a tough weekend for you guys, and we'll kind of start there and then get get it over over with. Uh, what's sort of the feeling right now in, in that locker room? Uh, I mean, I mean, we have to like look at it as a whole. Like, we lost, and we got we can't just blow it off. We got to go tomorrow and take that game one game at a time. Like, the approach has been the whole season, and just see where it goes. Sunday was senior day, and senior day is always emotional. There was a, an extra element that this week with Austin Gorel's family b- being there. What what was senior day kind of like for you guys? Um, it was kind of crazy just because on my recruiting trip, uh, my senior year of high school, I had the opportunity to meet Austin. Um, so interacting with him and then obviously hearing what happened and then uh, then realizing that this would have been his senior year. And then seeing like how the stadium took to him was very touching, and I mean, can't say anything more about Austin, man. He was a very impact, and he still has an impact on the program today. Yeah, I, I, I can imagine. So, um, if we just do a hard shift now, I'm focusing m- more on you. Uh, this is your first year playing center. You played a lot of mid- middle infield the last couple years. Uh, yeah. You're having an awesome year at the dish. What was that? Tra- tra- what was the transition? Easy for me to say. What was that like for you defensively? Uh, I mean, it was kind of easy. Uh, I just treat it like I'm playing football. I played football growing up, so I just treat it like it's a ball in the air. And you got to go get it, playing receiver. Was that a different or a, a change that you were excited to make? What was that like mentally for you? Uh, at first it was kind of different just because I wasn't in the action at all times like you are at short. Sure. But, um, going out there, seeing a whole different perspective of the game, I think was very beneficial to me. Uh, maybe being able to sit back and seeing how the game goes, like from center field, seeing how like pitches is going and like how they're throwing the hitters, just seeing tendencies and stuff like that. I think it was way beneficial for me. There's a lot of wind in the Mountain West? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> How often is that a significant challenge for you out there? Uh, sometimes it's not just because you play deep already. Yeah. But uh, I was talking to Wes Haddon uh, when we were in Air Force, and that was probably the most frustrating time I've ever had in the outfield just because I didn't know what it was going to do whenever the ball was hit. Mm-hmm. So it was just, just that Air Force series, like you guys know, with the, the crazy run total. Right. Um. It was just crazy. So, uh, at, at the dish, 
kind of mentioned this already. You're having an awesome year. You're batting 358. That leads the team by a pretty significant margin. What is, what has clicked for you this year? Uh, I mean, like I said, to uh, I like to sing the Moana song. I, I don't know why. I just <laughs> love Moana. Uh, the You're Welcome song. It just like puts baseball in perspective. For me, I don't, I don't know. Just, I think that's my favorite movie. Um, <laughs> uh, but like, like I told Jay Z, um, Josh Zamora, I told him my approach. He asked me what I, what was I doing so well. I just said, uh, man, I'm just trying to have a Hall of Fame day each day. Mm. So take it by one game. So whatever I do that day, will I be inducted to the Hall of Fame? Mm. And if I do that. And then if I have more Hall of Fame days rather than just um, regular days, so to speak, then um, as a collective whole, my stats will be better than usual. And then uh, just like doing that and then within trying to have a Hall of Fame day, you're going to compete. So it doesn't make it where you're worried about results because you're trying to perform the best ability at all times. That makes a lot of sense. And I actually, I heard the Moana rumor. I heard that one yeah. going around. I need to ask, I mean, obviously it sounds like you really enjoy the movie, but like, how did yeah, that, yeah. how did that start? Uh, uh, went to go see the, actually, I wasn't a fan of the movie when I first saw it. Okay. And then, um, when I went, I, uh, Netflix, I was watching it. Then I just started watching it every day, my sophomore <laughs> year. <laughs> and then I just started. And then when I went to go play for the Rochester Hunkers this summer, they asked me what was my walk-up song, what did they want to be. And then uh, they had played You're Welcome, and then I was like, oh, that's it, perfect. (laughs) (laughs) So it just stuck. That's how baseball is, man. Sometimes you just need a song to get you into a rhythm. (laughs) Yeah. Sometimes the other catchers hear me, and they'll just look at me and just start laughing. (laughs) (laughs) So what is this dude doing? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, Another thing, I mean, not only are you – is your batting average extremely high this year? You're, you're swooping bags at a pretty strong rate. I mean, you're 22 for 26 stealing bags. That's among the best in the Mountain West. There's a lot that goes into stealing a base beyond being just fast. So yeah. w- what would you say are some of the things that have allowed you to be so successful on the base pass? Uh, first off, the coaches um, just letting me, giving me the green light, trusting me that I can be more successful with that. Um, I think them allowing me to do the walking lead at first base was very, uh, very big. Just so my momentum's going already. Mm-hmm. And, uh, I just don't like staying at one base at for a long time. So I just try to get out of there and <laughs> it's been working out. Well, do you, do you sing, uh, Moana when you're on the base paths too? Uh, oh, no, no, no. I just go, <laughs> I think, uh, actually, I think like everything I relate to my life is movies. So like mine's for that one is like Willie Mays Hayes. I think of. Extra ninety feet, like he said in the movie. So the main says, yeah, major league. Yeah, that's great. Um, yeah. And I, I got to ask you too. Uh, this is a very serious question. Do you yeah. always roll your pants up like a couple inches? Uh, yeah. How did that yeah. start? That's obviously a unique look. Uh, I don't know. I've uh, I like watching basketball, so I just try to be like a basketball player within the baseball field. <laughs> I don't know. A little short shorts. That was the best time of basketball, even though I wasn't a lot. Um, i know too you not only are you singing out there you do some dancing in the outfield after you hit some doubles Uh, it sounds like you're getting some sideways looks when you're singing in the batter's box but how much how many sideways looks do you get when you're out there moving uh i don't know i don't pay attention man i just be having fun you gotta have fun within that game no question and 
Uh, when we had Ryan Anderson on last week, we were uh, talking a little bit. Like, what are some of the fun things you do or, or rituals you do maybe on, on bump days or, or days you're out there? And it sounds like you have a couple you do like during the game. Do you yeah. have, do you have any other ones that you, that you go to? Uh, I like to get on Otis Statham's nerves, nerves. I like to just bug him all the time. He's just a big guy in the locker room. <laughs> see, see what he'll do. <laughs> I like to do that, and uh, I like to mess with. I, me- I like to mess with Ryan. Me and Ryan, we we call each other stuff. We roast each other all the time. Oh, so this is great <laughs> having you guys on back to back weeks. Oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> um, Ryan last week also said a lot of you guys because baseball is one of those sports for people who maybe aren't so familiar. You have a lot of downtime in baseball. Uh, whether, whether it's traveling, whether it's BP, you just got more time on your hands. That's what kind of leads itself to, you know, more just fun shenanigans going on in baseball. Uh, Mm -hmm. so are you involved in any of these card games that apparently are pretty popular? Oh no, man. I, I already know I'm going to lose. So I just stay away from it. (laughs) You you want no part of it, huh? (laughs) No, no, not even going to, not even going to do that to myself. (laughs) (laughs) Ah, fair enough. All right. So, uh, if we bring it back kind of full circle now, uh, you guys are in a pretty tough spot now. You're not eliminated. Um, you still got a shot. You basically need to sweep San Jose State and then then get a little bit of help. What is your approach or the, or the team's approach now going into the final weekend of the Mountain West regular season? Uh, like I said before, man, just taking it one game at a time. Like Coach says, like he's been saying the last couple of weeks, just give everything you got. Empty the tank for that game. I mean, if we can uh, really embody that, I think we'll be fine. As a collective, I mean, there were a lot of hopes for for this year, and they're they're still alive, certainly. Um, Mm -hmm. But to be in this spot, I'm sure, is a situation that none of you guys imagined, um, especially a fun start for you guys. I mean, how would you kind of assess the season up to this point? Because as I mentioned, you're not done playing baseball yet. Who knows what happens? But kind of Mm -hmm. what, what are thoughts on where you guys are considering the aspirations coming into the year? Basically... Uh, this season, we had high hopes coming in just because we won uh, the Mountain West last year. Uh, but, I mean, like within everything, we need reality checks. So I feel like sometimes we responded and sometimes we didn't. And I think we're in the phase where we didn't respond. So hopefully starting tomorrow, we can get back to responding correctly. Absolutely. Well, we're certainly rooting for you. We would love to do a Mountain West preview show and get to talk about Nevada in there. So uh Jalen, yeah. uh, good, good luck this weekend, and we certainly appreciate you making some time to come on. Oh, thank you, man. Thank you for having me. We certainly appreciate Jalen for coming on in the middle of the week with so much going on uh, with this team and obviously a big spot of adversity for this group. So appreciate him uh, taking a minute. I did listen to that Moana song. I had never listened to it before. Have you seen Moana? I Moana? have not. So... He says that Moana song is one of his favorite. He sings in the batter's box. I was listening to it. The I guess it's the main song, You're Welcome, is sung by The Rock. I never heard The Rock sing. And so that was – I learned something this week. Rock Johnson belts it out too. <laughs> Belting out Disney songs. Uh, so before we go to our conversation now with Kane Milling, uh, we need to show some love to Silver and Blue Outfitters. Silver and Blue Outfitters is locally owned. Locally operated by a Nevada graduate, Nevada graduate, easy for me to say. It is the spot 
for officially licensed Nevada apparel. You know that you can hear our conversation with owner Mark Gladowski back on episode 023. A ton of fun stuff going on over there. You can visit either the Meadowood Mall or Campus locations or visit silverandblueoutfitters.com. Every month, we give away a $100 gift card to Silver and Blue Outfitters. The last few months, we've done it where you, if you swing by one of the stores, uh, snap a selfie, post it, that gets you in the running. We're changing up the contest. I mentioned it uh, last week. We're going to launch it tonight. So if you listen to this Wednesday, we're launching it tonight. If you listen to this Thursday, Friday, Saturday, we have already launched it. All you need to do to get into the raffle, it's a lot easier, especially for those of you who are listening outside of Reno. We're going to tweet something out from the Reno Slant Twitter account, at the Reno Slant. It's going to be a graphic for Silver and Blue Outfitters. All you have to do is retweet that thing. Retweet it, and you're in for the money. If you tag two friends, two Nevada, two Nevada friends, easy for me to say again, uh, you will get two more entries. So you can have three total entries. If you retweet it and then tag two friends, we are going to do the drawing on the last day of the month on our Instagram Live. So hop on over to our Twitter at the Reno Slant, retweet that thing. We're going to pin it to our profile, and maybe we will pick you at the end of the month to receive a $100 gift card to Silver and Blue Outfitters. Okay, I've teased it about seven different times. Here's our conversation with Kane Milling. Kane, uh, really appreciate you making the time, and certainly congrats on committing to Nevada. Uh, so before we jump into this, kind of what's the last week been like since you uh, officially committed? It's been crazy. I still can't realize it that uh, I'm actually committed to to college. You know, so it's yeah. a dream of mine to, to do it. The Nevada fans been blowing up your Twitter. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They've been uh, <laughs> congratulating me. They've been, they've been super nice. They read all the comments and stuff. They've been really they've been really so cool about it. So I'm happy. Yeah, Nevada Twitter. You will familiarize yourself with it. They get excited. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Um, it was just really, really cool. So I knew that you, or I know you spent some time in Southern California growing up. You lived there for a couple years, um, but I don't believe you've ever been to Reno. So, like, what do you know about Reno? Uh, Reno, like, not that much. I'm gonna be honest. <laughs> uh, I mean, uh, I've never been to Reno. I've been to Las Vegas a couple mm-hmm. times, but. Uh, I'm looking just. I'm just looking forward to seeing Reno. I mean, my, the coaches said it was really a uh, awesome, the awesome city, awesome environment. So uh, can't wait. Yeah. Well, so we'll get this out of the way with now. People in Reno went. We'll want you to know that Reno and Las Vegas, two completely different cities. Yeah. <laughs> very yeah. very different. Okay. <laughs> um, and yeah. ha- have you so have you done any like clicking around to like what the city is like or what the region is like? Like I, I guess what are you kind of anticipating? Uh, yeah, I actually looked around, like looked on like Google Images and stuff like that. I saw that uh, it can get snowy yep. uh, sometimes up in the mountains, and uh, well, uh, I like to go skiing and stuff, so that's pretty cool. But uh, yeah, I'm just uh, just uh, just I didn't really look that far into it, so sure. just saw a couple of snow uh, lakes and stuff like that, so. Yeah, you'll uh, you'll become familiar with uh, Lake Tahoe. It's certainly yeah. one of the one of the main draws of, of Reno. Um, so yeah, I don't want to spoil too much for you, but it's it's an yeah, awesome, yeah. awesome city. What so what do you know? Do you know much about the Mountain West yet? The conference that you're going to be playing in at Nevada? Uh, 
Actually, uh, I know like most of the teams uh, in the Mountain West. I know it's a it's a pretty competitive uh, conference. Yep. So I'm excited to play in on that conference. So you are you are the first commit of the Steve Alford era at Nevada. That's that's kind of a cool deal. I mean, have you thought at all about what that means to be the first recruit of a coach who many think is going to be in Reno for a long, long time? Yeah, but when I saw that. Uh, Coach Alford was a, signed a, like a ten-year deal, and I was the first one committed uh, under his name. I thought it was pretty cool, like uh, kind of a blessing actually to be by the first one. Yeah, you will always have that next year name now, which which certainly is kind yeah. of cool. Uh, I know that yeah. you had a relationship in place with Craig Neal uh, just from overseas and him coaching over there. But you made the decision pretty quickly between uh, Craig Neal coming to to Nevada. Um, so I guess just what made you so confident and ready to make the decision? Um, cause that moved pretty quickly. Yeah, it did move pretty quickly, actually. Um, the first time I mean, uh, coach Neil talked is when I played, uh, over against his team in Monaco then like uh, December. And mm-hmm. uh, we talked like that. That was the first time I saw him. I didn't know who he was at first. And we talked and, uh, he asked me uh, if uh, if he wanted uh, if if uh, I wanted to go to college, and I said yeah. So he said hey, if you need any help, you just contact me, and I can uh, get you to college. So uh, he helped me uh, gain contacts and stuff like that. But then he came back to me uh, like a month or a month and a half ago, and he said, "Yeah, uh, I might be going back to uh, to America, mm-hmm. and I'd be a, a coach in Nevada." He said, uh, "I want you. I want to bring you with me." So he told me that, and when he got the official, when he when it was official, he said, "Yeah, we want to offer you a scholarship." And I just felt comfortable with uh, Coach Neal and Coach Alford. Watched some tape and uh, felt confident in the team and uh, everything. So I was like, "All right, I'm just signing with Nevada." Then. Cool, R- really cool. So you've yeah. been playing, and you are playing in a, in a 21 and under league. So you've been playing against kids who are college age, certainly. Uh, yeah. Have you thought about what some of the big differences in style may be or, or what they could be from playing in, in Europe and now playing, you know, Division One collegiate basketball in America? So uh, I've been watching collegiate basketball since I was like little. Yeah. And when I've played in this league, um, the main difference is um, I think it's speed, like the speed of the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, out, out in um, America, it's way faster, I, I think. Normally than uh, out here in France. France is more structured. It's more like play systems, uh, slow it down. Out in America, it's more like fast. You know, it's like more athletic yeah. than in France. But France is more tactical. It's, you have to be smart playing here. You have to be really smart. If you're, if you don't have a high uh, basketball IQ, it's uh, mm-hmm. it can it can get tough. Which is certainly one of your strengths. I think that's part of it that comes with your dad being in the role that he is. He played collegiately at UCSB in Oregon and then played in Europe and now is now a coach over there. Has he yeah. given you any now advice, maybe what to expect or coaching you up on, on the collegiate game at all? Well, the, the number one thing he told me was like, first time you get a, you get to get over there, you're going to get beat up. <laughs> like like trash tra- trash talk just be uh, just like the physical like the difference in being physical said so you're gonna so you're gonna get beat up and you have to be ready for it like in your head and yeah. in your body too like that's the one thing he said you gotta you gotta get your, you gotta be ready to just like take it all in mm-hmm. and just 
show what people show them what you got. Yeah, I I can certainly see that. Have Have you thought about like most kids when they go to college, they they go a couple hours away or maybe even across the country here, which is you know a few hour flight. You're you're going literally across the world. Have you thought about what that's going to be like being that far away from home for college and what you're kind of expecting there? I mean, I certainly uh, thought about, about that. It was it was hard. It was hard to like uh, make a decision, you know. Like mm-hmm. I don't I don't want to leave my family. My, we're like really close, and uh, all my friends, all my my current teammates, and stuff like that. I just it's just really special. But uh, I know going to college would be uh, the biggest opportunity for me for as a basketball uh, view point of view, mm-hmm. and but also as a as like help me grow and be a man you know you have to do, do everything on your own this time i'll be all by myself i don't have anybody to help me <laughs> do all the simple stuff for sure so that's even like academics too it's just it's so much simpler so much like better get better more opportunities mm-hmm. over being a college than here and being a pro or like starting yeah. to be a pro at least yeah, so it's it seems like you have an, you're putting emphasis on the educational aspect of it. And Nevada's certainly a good school. Have you thought about what you want to study? Uh, I'm out in France out right now. Uh, in high school, basically, you choose uh, three different like uh, uh, movements. So either you go, you do more literature, more economics, or more uh, science. And I'm uh, economics, so okay. I was thinking about doing business. Business, yeah, but. I think I think I'm just gonna go in and uh, not choose not choose one directly. I'm gonna test out a couple of stuff. I think mm-hmm. just to see, but uh, I'm more into business. That's for sure. That's what I tell everyone. I mean, I I didn't clear my major until after my sophomore year in college. So you yeah, you, you, you certainly got some time. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I I know it's early here, and this this is pretty sudden. But have, has your parents talked about coming to see you with any sort of regularity? Have you guys had those conversations yet? Uh, not yet. Uh, mm-hmm. My parents are gonna just help me like settle in first. Yeah. Just uh, just to help me settle in. But uh, to come see me, I don't think well they'll have like a lot of lot of opportunities since my dad will maybe be coaching, be coaching again yeah. next year. So maybe my mom will be able to come uh, uh more than him. But uh, my family out in America, they'll they'll be able to come see me. Uh, just come see me play a couple times. There you go. Yeah, that'll be nice for sure. Um, yeah. many people who are listening have never seen you play. They maybe read a couple things. So for the Nevada fans who are listening and who just know we got the six, four kid from France who's coming, uh, how would you explain your, or describe your playing style? So basically I'm like a true combo guard. So if you guys want me, if you want me to play the two, I'll play the two. I'll be that guy that comes off screens and takes uh takes shots. Or if you want me to play point guard, I can set up the whole team. I I'm uh, really good off pick and roll. Just uh, uh finding guys, finding guys. Uh, that's like my biggest strength. I think mm-hmm. it's uh, really just my basketball IQ. Is just, I think it's uh, above uh, most guys. And uh, I have a good shot. I'm a lefty, so three pointers. I can uh, I can certainly make them, and I can create my shot too, like a mid ranger or going or like getting contact uh, to finish. Awesome. Have has any of the coaches talked to you at all about what they maybe envision for you next year in terms of your role? 
Uh, no, we haven't talked about that yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're they're still looking at the the current uh, roster. You yep. don't know like the end of it. So uh, they just told me the when you come here, just show show us what you got, and we'll see afterwards. <laughs> that makes sense. So uh, yeah. off the court, uh, any American foods you're looking forward to? I mean. Uh, my favorite food, since I'm from like San Diego, San Diego area, yeah. it's Mexican. Of okay. Course. Uh, in France, we, we don't have Mexican, so that's the one thing I always want when I come back to, to the States. <laughs> All right. Yeah, there's plenty of that in Reno. Uh, are you a hamburger guy? Yeah, yeah. I, I eat uh, almost anything. I'm, I, I, I'm not picky. <laughs> All right. So when, when you get on campus, a recommendation for you, Archie's. It's right across Archie. the street from campus, Archie's and The Wall. Two pretty good spots to All grab right. a burger right by campus there. Are you a, uh, are you a sushi guy? Oh, of course. Sushi's my favorite food of like all. Uh, <laughs> sushi. I love sushi. It's kind of weird. When I'm, I moved to Reno originally back in 2013 and was shocked to learn that there were so many sushi spots in Reno because it's like a high desert climate. It's not like right next to the ocean, but there's a lot of really good sushi. In Reno. All right. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Uh, Horoba is a good spot. Tokyo Sushi is my favorite. Uh, if you need recommendations, everyone can help you out. There's a lot of cool spots. Nice. All right. So I you're, have to write that down. Yeah, you will. You will. There, there's plenty of them. So uh, you're coming out here in July. Is that correct? Yeah. Yeah. Are you counting down the days yet? Uh, I still need to finish my school here first and yep. just say all my goodbyes and uh but I'm super excited to be there. So, and uh, and we're all excited yeah. to have you, Kane. Uh, seriously, man, congrats yeah. on the commitment. We appreciate you making the time, and uh, we're certainly all looking forward to seeing you in a Nevada uniform. Yeah, I can't, I can't wait. Can't wait to show you guys and just help the team be the best that it can be. It was kind of fun after recording with Kane. I, I was thinking about it. We are not a math podcast, but we are an international podcast now. We've recorded with Kane from France, with Gabby Williams from Spain on episode 034, with DJ Fenner from Bosnia on episode 035. We've recorded with you in Brazil twice, I believe, and Cancun. Mm-hmm. So we, we got all sorts of stuff going on on, on the Claim- Reno slant. Claiming territory for the slant. <laughs> and uh, worth mentioning... So Kane obviously committed last week, signed last week. Then you have 6'9 stretch big man Zane Meeks, who will be a freshman next year. He's a sniper. Super excited about getting him on campus. He committed. And then I believe it was Monday, 6'4 transfer guard from Brown, Desmond Cambridge. Uh, sit one, play two, explosive score. He committed. So the roster is starting to take a little shape for next year. And then by the time a lot of you guys are going to listen to this, we will have heard the final decision from Kwani Kwani, uh, big man who is down to Washington State, Cal, and Nevada. Um, so we'll hear from him. He, he would be a big piece as well. So really starting to get this thing figured out in terms of what the roster is going to look like. Still got to hear it wait for, for Jordan Brown. Still got to wait for Lindsey Drew. Uh, Shamil Stevenson was going to take an official at Nebraska, I think it was. Um, so obviously still some uncertainty, but there's a lot more certainty now than there was when every single player on the roster was in the transfer portal. We at least know we got five guys that are going to be wearing a jersey. <laughs> we got a starting lineup. 
for certain. Okay, Nevada baseball, uh, back at it this weekend against San Jose State. As we kind of hit on already, it's basically sweep or watch the Mountain West Conference tournament be played on your own field and don't participate. Uh, so that, that's basically the situation for Nevada this weekend. And before we get to, to breaking down this series, we've talked a lot about Mackey Stadium attendance. I talked about a lot last year. It's become a major focal point around Nevada athletics. And now Nevada athletics, Nevada football program wants to hear from you. We mentioned this last week. Nevada has launched a fan survey on the Mackey Stadium experience. They launched it last week. It might have been too, I I can't keep track anymore, but they just launched it recently. And they're going to pick 10 participants in the survey to receive another $100 gift card for Silver and Blue Outfitters. So you can get into the running for a $100 gift card by filling up the survey, then they're running for another gift card just by retweeting our graphic over on Twitter at the Reno Slant. It doesn't matter if you're a season ticket holder, you've only been to a couple games, just visit NevadaWolfPack.com today to complete the survey. So game one, Friday at San Jose State's at 6, game two, Saturday at 2, game three, Sunday at noon. What is something we need to know about the Spartans? We've said it before. They're doing all they can to miss the playoffs. They're trying. They did everything they did. We asked them to get swept by San Diego State, so we couldn't do our part last week. Just an embarrassing showing. Got smoked by San Diego State. Mm-hmm. It's the only good thing they've, they've done since they've entered the Mountain West. <laughs> so, them, they're just full on implode mode. That's the fun. That's I'll say that. When I'm writing my notes every week, Looking at San Diego State's schedule, just that's the one thing that makes me feel good. I'm like, San at Jose least, State. yeah, San Diego. At least I'm not a San Jose State Spartan fan. <laughs> yeah, they are in full on implosion mode. We mentioned Nevada has lost five of six Mountain West games. They've lost six of seven overall, I believe it is. San Jose State has lost thirteen of fourteen overall. They've lost eight straight Mountain West games. And it's crazy to believe that they are still in playoff position. That's kind of the story of Mountain West baseball this year. So if there's one team Nevada had to play needing a sweep to stay alive, it's this San Jose State team at this spot in the season. If there's one stat you don't love, it's that San Jose State has struggled mightily on the road. They are 7-22 and on the road. They've been a lot better at home. They're 12-7 and at home. They're obviously going to be at home this weekend during this stretch of losing 13 of 14, they have lost 10 straight on the road. Their only win during this stretch was at home, obviously, and because why not? It was against Oregon, a, a good Pac-12 school. Um, so either way, San Jose State's been better at home, but they are they're bleeding. They're out of gas. So you certainly hope that Nevada can capitalize this weekend. I mean, it's the right time, right, right team. It's when you need it most. I'm going to go to Kellen Stram, one of their outfielders. He is one of the bright spots on the squad that is a dark spot in the conference. He has the six most played, six most played appearances on the team. He's got 130. He's batting 400 right now. His OPS, the on base plus slugging, he is at 1.063, so he's over one. That's, wow. that's good. That's healthy. Incredible. Pretty incredible. And he, I mean, he's only appeared in 37. I can't remember the total games they've played, 47, 48, somewhere in there. He, so he's missed about 10 games. I, you know, I'm going to assume he was hurt. Maybe he's stupid, wasn't academically eligible, but <laughs> <laughs> he's one guy that's smacking the ball pretty good for him. 
So they have that dude. But the rest of their offense, woof. I mean, as a collective, this is the worst offense in the Mountain West, and it's not particularly close. They are last in the Mountain West in, buckle up, hope you guys get comfortable for this. They are last in the Mountain West in batting average. Team batting average at 267. Next to last, Nevada at 271. They are last in the Mountain West in runs per game at 4.8. Second to last, Nevada at 5.6. So they're almost a run per game worse in, in the Mountain West than the second to, to last offense. I mean, that's brutal. They are last in doubles. They have 66. Fresno is second to last with 85. So again, a big gap there. They are last in home runs. They have nine as a team. Second to last, New Mexico with 27. Way off pace there. They are last in the Mountain West in slugging. As a team, they're slugging 330. There are collegiate baseball teams, I'm sure, that have batting averages higher than 330. They are slugging 330 as a team. San Diego State is second to last there at 401. So they're having all kinds of problems at the dish as a group. One thing I will say about their offense is they are pesky. They lead the Mountain West in walks, and they don't strike out a ton. So at least they they make you beat them. Uh, they get beat a lot, but they they they'll take pitches and and they'll work counts. They are the epitome of a a scrappy offensive team because they they don't put up a lot of numbers, um, but but they'll find ways to get on base. Well, hearing how where they rank in the conference standings just makes you glad to say, at least we're not Spartan fans again. Uh, Nicholas Morales, he pitched last week. I was just looking at an article, so he's going to get the brunt end of this. Uh, he, against San Diego State, he had a short little stint. I believe it was in the first game. Uh, he allowed five more runs over an inning and two-third over San Diego State as they ended up just – crushing them and it's gonna be one good little piece of information of how they fared against the Aztecs is that in that game or at least that seven of the ten runs came in that one inning with uh Nicholas Morales and there was a combination of another dude in there but at least it shows that they got people on the mound that can get smacked around <laughs> Nevada needs some sort no, of need something needs to... offensively, yeah. Yeah, I'm trying to find a way to wiggle this stat to make it appealing. <laughs> Try to shape this thing. How can it fit yeah, my narrative? Yeah, exactly. I need this to fit my bias. But yeah, so anyways, <laughs> they can get smacked around. We're going to be playing. Yeah, obviously, San Diego, or San, I don't know why I keep saying San Diego, but San Jose State has been better at home, mm-hmm. but could be worse. Their pitching staff walks a lot of dudes. A lot of dudes. Over five per game. Over the course of a season, you're averaging over five walks per game. That is staggering. That is staggering. I can't imagine how frustrating that must be as a defensive player, as a fall, as someone who maybe follows that organization, walking five guys a game. Imagine That's, being the pitching coach. Ugh, God, just pull my hair out. That's brutal. Um, that hasn't been a strength for Nevada's offense this year. They're last in the Mountain West in walks drawn per game at around 3.2. So patience will be required this weekend offensively because San Jose State will give you free passes. They, they, they will put you on base. Who's your favorite player on the other roster? Anders Davidson. 
coming all the way live from Walla Walla, Washington. <laughs> Had to give the home state boy. He's a he's a right-handed pitcher. Also plays a little bit of outfield. But the real reason why I pitched this guy or picked this guy because he plans to major in accounting and aspires to be an accountant after graduation. So I would say his aspirations are not too too crazy because I mean accountants get hired pretty easily. I'll put it that way. But he is Nerd also a gang. Yeah, he's also a fairly bland guy because his bio as well enjoys hanging out with friends in his free time aside from his school and his family that was his one stat or his one piece of information and now his game i feel like i really know him now well pretty much know all accounts and his game stat (laughs) pitching wise accounts don't have friends yeah well there's also that he is rocking a nice 10.3 era so that would be pretty much fitting of what i would think of if you had an accountant on the on the mound sure San Jose State does have a local kid on the roster. They do have a Reno kid, uh, and that is 6'4", senior right-hand pitcher Justin Watland. He graduated from Reno High back in 2014. He started at Feather River Community College, and he's one of their dudes. He tied the team lead with 20, or was tied for the team lead last year with 22 appearances and a nice 3.55 ERA. It does look like he missed the first half of the year, maybe with an injury would be my guess. Uh, he's been good again this year in his senior year. Two runs allowed over 16 innings. He's certainly going to be a guy that Nevada sees this weekend. But uh, we got the Washington kid covered and the Reno kid covered, so I think we did we did well with favorite player on the other roster this week. Uh, all right, what do you got for keys to a series win? He's got to take it one game at a time. I mean, obviously we know the sweep would be the most beneficial, obviously. But, I mean, like we've seen – you play to, you play to the level of the opponent. And if you play in that situation, especially in San Jose, I can imagine them finding a way to at least wiggle one win out of this. Mm-hmm. So the real thing is to be not be looking at game two, not be looking at game three, but you need to be looking at the game you're currently in. So uh, I'm, I'm starting on the, on the bump again this week. And for the staff, they just got to attack these hitters. They have to pound the strike zone against these guys. Nevada walked 11 dudes in the first two games against Fresno. And as we hit on already, this is a San Jose State team that likes to draw a lot of walks. This is a San Jose State team that doesn't have a lot of pop in in those bats. you got to make them earn it. You can't give them them free passes. So for the the starters, dudes out of the bullpen, you got to pound the zone. Do not let San Jose State earn any free passes. And start doing the merry-go-round thing. So I, I would really love to see those walk numbers shrink th- this weekend and, and see the staff really go after these San Jose State hitters because there aren't a lot of them that are really going to scare you. There aren't a lot of them on the scouting report that TJ Bruce is going over saying we have to pitch around this guy or we'd be really selective with this guy. I mean, I think for the m- most part, a lot of these guys, you can attack them and there are certainly outs to be had. So that I think that is going to be one of the major things this weekend is the walk count for Nevada staff. And then Nevada just can't beat themselves. They got to play a clean game. You can't make the simple stuff too hard. Ultimately, my mindset is San Jose State's going to San Jose. So if you play a clean game, you look at the success they've had in the conference, in any sport really, (laughs) you know, just minimize the mistakes. You know, anything that's routine, don't make it look like you're going to be on Sports Center that night. I mean, just just let, just let the Spartans be the Spartans. My second one, and we've kind of hit on this already as well, 
we have for a lot of the season for Nevada baseball. Nevada is getting itself into trouble a little bit again by striking out a lot. And we're starting to see that resurface right now. This is the San Jose State team that walks a lot of guys. They like to nibble. So like they're pesky offensively, they're the same way uh, on the bump. They're not going to give in. They're going to nibble here, nibble there, try to get a call three inches off the dish. And so for for the offense, this weekend is really going to be about patience, not chasing those pitches, getting yourself in favorable counts, so that you can then get Zamora up to start hitting some three-run shots. Because this is an offense that, at this point, we just know is reliant on the long ball. And you're not going to hit the long ball by chasing pitches out of the zone, by falling behind in counts. This is the San Jose State team that will walk you. So get yourself in a favorable favorable count and then see if maybe you can get them to give you something over the plate. Um, but Nevada's not going to put up a lot of runs. They are going to get up with, they are going to rack up a lot of strikeouts again if they are chasing those pitches. So off, offensively, patience. I think, I think it's going to be a huge one this weekend. And did you have another one? I was going to talk just a little on that patience stuff too. One stat I had was Weston Hayton. He has oh, been. Oh boy. Hatton. Yeah, Hatton. Did you go to the game on Friday? You still can't pronounce the name? You know, dude, I can't be held accountable to know how to pronounce everybody's name. Not Anyways. everyone, but one of the dudes. Okay. Bruno. My, apo- my apologies, Weston. My bad. <laughs> Beer on me when you see me. Anyways, <laughs> I was going to talk about the getting on, you know, being selective with pitches because 21% of his plate appearances have been walks or hit by pitches. So we'd prefer not the hit by pitch, but. You know, got to keep that trend going. Any means necessary. Get on base. We need base runners. The the last thing I'll say about this weekend in terms of what Nevada needs to do, more than anything, this is a it's a mental game. This is a mental weekend. This is the start of what the start of several things that need to happen for Nevada. And they can't worry about what San Jose State and Air Force are going to do next weekend. They can't worry about game three or game two. This is a mental test, especially considering they're coming off a really tough weekend at home. It was senior weekend. It was emotional for multiple reasons. You get swept. You're in a tough spot. We kind of talked about with Jalen. There's just a spot this team didn't envision themselves being in. And they got to find a way to regroup and bring it. This weekend, because if they kind of just lumber in there, San Jose State's playing for a playoff spot as well. It's not like Nevada's the only one playing for something this weekend. So mentally, they have to respond because, as Jalen said, that he just doesn't think they've done a great job of that the last couple weeks. And you can only control what you can control. Sports, big sports cliche, especially in baseball, cliches exist because they're real. Nevada has to find a way to win game one. You can't sweep a series if you lose game one. So win game one. Then worry about game two, and then you can worry about after, after you're completing a sweep what UNLV is up to in the following weekend. Um, either way, I mean, this is playoff baseball this weekend. Nevada at San Jose. This is playoff baseball, and Nevada's got to find a way to, to pull off a sweep, which is something it hasn't done in Mountain West play this year. So here we go. You've, you've been awfully optimistic the last few weeks picking series. It hasn't turned out so great. What do you think is going down? I'm going to say two of three. Two of three. And then hopefully, if that yeah, happens, good. you need Nevada or UNLV to basically get to lose out its last six. Yep, going to need some help. Nevada does have one series sweep this year to its name. 
That was back in February at Long Beach State, and we've talked about how much of a nightmare season Long Beach State has had. They actually fired their coach in the middle of the season, and that's something that never happens in college baseball. Never. I mean, it's just been a season from hell for Long Beach State. Even with San Jose State struggling, it's tough to see Nevada winning three straight on the road. So I'm, I'm with you. I'll say Nevada gets two of three and unfortunately is going to be watching the Mountain West Conference Tournament uh, from the stands at Piccoli. I uh, hope I'm wrong. Would, would love to be wrong. Uh, just tough to feel overly optimistic about this team's uh, situation, especially the way that they've played the last couple weeks. Okay, let's jump into some slants. And this is a big moment. Adam's about to do his first ever read. <laughs> Take it away, Adam. Everybody bear with me. But <laughs> if you're looking for some fitness motivation, you need to check out Jake at Move Mint Nutrition in Reno. You could also be in Sparks, verified. Sure. Jake will work with you on custom fitness and nutrition plans, provide sustainable weight loss that allows you to eat what you want and when you want. No more intermittent fasting. Plan is practical and proven. Strongly encourage you to check it out today. Mo- visit movement, M-I-N-T, nutrition.com or call 775-538-5555. I love that. You brought the, brought the passion there. That was great. Yeah, I watched a couple of uh, Van Pelt clips. I watched a couple... I had to watch, you know, Stuart Scott. <laughs> I, had to, I had to watch all the greats to know what I was doing. That was good. All right, we, we're gonna start having you do more reads. That was good. Okay, uh, games of the weekend. What are some games you're looking forward to? On Thursday, well, obviously it's gonna be coming out Thursday, so I'm gonna sc- throw that in with the weekend. You got Denver at Portland. Portland just got annihilated. Sh- yeah, smacked in the last game. Just completely embarrassed. I hated to see it. I'm starting to actually get invested in this short series now with the Trailblazers. So watching yeah. him lose in that fashion was bad. And watching Jokic just throw his glubbery body around. He's so weird I- to watch. Like he's such a good pastor, uh, such a good passer, but he's not athletic at all. He doesn't show any motion. He's no <laughs> emotion. He's like 24 years old. What's going to happen to him when his, whatever he has of athleticism starts to go is it's like he's moving in slow motion out there. It's so bizarre looking at him because I'm like, if I had to pick up, you know, pick a professional athlete in a line, there's no chance in hell I'm ever picking him. Right. Um, and then Friday, you got Golden State at Houston. That's, I mean, that's turned out to be awesome. great now. Last week, we said that series was over. There's yeah, two nothing going to Houston. I'm like, oh, I'm off. I'm, ba- I'm back on. Houston's really turned. And I was mentioning it to Marcus, watching Curry shoot, you remember like, when he really was in the prime of his career, and obviously I'm, I'm, he's still in, you know, technically the prime, but KD's kind of more the the leader guy or you know number one dude. But anyways, it seemed like back, you know, a couple of years ago, Steph would just get the ball, fire from no man's land, from the moon, and just make everything. Well, it, it feels a little bit like Golden State's gotten a little bit too reliant on Kevin Durant iso ball, and it maybe yeah. has messed with their. Their offensive timing, their feng shui, because um, I it, it wasn't great for them. I mean, him and uh, Stephen Clay had a miserable game, game three in Houston. Oh yeah, it's been. I mean, and it, it could be just exactly what you're saying. Like you think about how many threes those guys used to fire up a game when KD wasn't on the roster, and you know, I'm not saying that works or doesn't, but 
you look at the stats, they're definitely not shooting the way they used to. Yes. I mean, so most people will be listening to this after game five, but at time at mm-hmm. 640 here on Wednesday night, game five tips in an hour. So I need to hurry up and edit this once we're done because I'm, I'm pumped for that game. Yep. Gonna be a great one. Those are the two I'll be watching. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously the four NBA playoff series right now are, are kind of it. I, it's amazing how much I've just tuned out of hockey now that the Knights are out of it. Um, so Portland, Denver, kind of feel like that was going to go seven. We'll see Portland now in a must win going back to Portland. They missed an opportunity. I mean, they win, they win the four overtime game, which was insane on Friday. And I feel like they maybe needed to win the next game, go up three, one, and then lose that one. They get crushed at Denver. Now their backs are against the wall. Toronto, Philly, the whole thing is weird with Joel Embiid. Is he, which, is he sick today or is he hurt today? And, and what is hurt if he is hurt? Or, I mean, it's a million different excuses. And Ben Simmons stinks, by the way. Stinks. He's and, bad. And Boston, Milwaukee, uh, at time of recording, Boston is down 12 with three and a half minutes left in the third quarter. If they lose that thing at home, they are getting bounced. Yeah, that, that one, to be honest, was a little surprising. I mean, I knew the Bucks were good, but I didn't know they were destroy the Celtics' will to live good. Well, you got a couple things going on. I mean, Giannis, or Giannis is a freak and Boston has had just kind of a, a nightmare season. They never got it going with how much talent they could never figure it out. Kyrie's stock is plummeting. What's going to happen with him? Uh, last mm-hmm. I saw he was having an atrocious game. I mean, Perfect. the whole, the whole Boston thing is weird. I mean, they, they truly might blow it up this offseason. That'll be interesting to, to follow as well. Yeah, which would be crazy after just one year with the Gordon Hayward stuff. I mean, he obviously with the injury last season, but right. you thought when he was coming back, it was like, man, Boston's going to be a legit title contender this year with who they got. Yeah, Jason Tatum ha- has regressed, and he was supposed to be kind of like the next guy. Um, I mean, it's, it's just been a weird year for Boston. Okay, uh, a new slant. Um, because it, it will be summer, I mean, obviously we are in Nevada podcast so we're going to focus primarily on nevada even throughout the summer um we will do some reno aces in reno 1868 because we have gotten questions about it if we're going to do it or not um it will not be the focus of the show it will be something that we hit on each week so for the first time we're starting this slant pro dudes and before we get into it i I told coach sydney that I'd, i'd show him some love this week so if you or someone you know at the prep level in Reno is looking for exposure, and Reno really is starting to appear on the national recruiting map with some of these guys um, just blowing up. You look at the Spanish Springs kid, Jackson LaDuke, who's getting offers from everywhere um, right now. The Reno Heat Ballers are hosting a showcase Saturday, January f- or June 1st. January is a long time away. Saturday, June 1st at Minogue. It's Northern Nevada's first ever national media exposure camp. It's 65 bucks to register. You can visit renoheat.eventbrite.com to register. That's renoheat.eventbrite.com to register. So let's start with the aces here. Uh, what, what is something that you have noticed or taken away? Cause I know you've been following the aces so closely. Well, as a season ticket holder that I am, Kevin, correct me, crone, cron, one of those. I C-R-O-N. Cron, Cron, I believe. Oh, you don't know everybody on the Aces squad? You don't know their no, last names? No, I don't. Names? No, I don't. Okay, good. Proud of you. He's got 12 dingers in 30 games. He's a third baseman. He's batting 324, so he's off to a hot start. Um, I imagine that I will be finding myself 
at a game or two here in the near future. Have you gotten any games yet this year? I haven't because I've been lazy, I guess would be the best way to put it. But probably accurate. Yeah, but I think the the Rainiers are coming into town next week or the week after, something along those lines. And I always I always enjoy going down there and seeing when the when the Rainiers are in because sure. every now and then you get lucky and see a guy who's on assignment or something. Right. Saw so Jason Worth. I saw Vogelback last year and stuff. So that's always yeah. fun. But yeah. yeah, Kevin Kevin Crone, he's been the guy for the Aces right now. That's been um leading the way in the sticks. He, yeah, he was the the Diamondbacks minor league player of the month for April. Twelve dingers, thirty six ribbies. Both are second in the Pacific Coast League. Collectively, the Aces are 14 and 18, so not a great start, but they are only two games back of Sacramento for first place in the division. Uh, they're in the middle of a four-game series at Tacoma right now, and then after that series, you said you haven't gone to a game yet. 13 of 17 are at Greater Nevada Field. Unfortunately, the 13 of 17, only one Thursday Thursday, and that is the best night to go to an Aces game. You cannot convince me otherwise. Um, the last thing I'll say about the Aces here really quickly with a record of 14 and 18, that's not great. Uh, one of the problems for them, and I think like it's always a, a problem, just pitching at altitude, pitching in the Pacific Coast League. It's just tough to pitch uh, in Reno. Their staff ERA of 6.01 is 12th out of 16 teams in the West. They're 13, 13th out of 16 in walks. They are 14th out of 16 in home runs allowed. They are 15th out of 16 in total strikeouts. Uh, so the staff has struggled mightily. And that's a large reason that they're, they're four games under 500 as the season's kind of just starting here. All right. Let's talk soccer. First time talking soccer on the podcast, I believe. What's something you found about Reno 1868 FC? First thing I found out, whoever's, whoever's running the news, find me on Twitter. I need direct messages of the insights because I was having some tr- trouble last night finding info. <laughs> other than, other than the record right now, if my math is right, and I'll verify that we are also not, that we're not a math podcast. Thank you for confirming. Hey, someone's got to do it. Three, four, and two is where they're staying right now. They got a couple draws in there. Um, and then the clip I saw was that their forward Corey Hertzog, also a great great name, he has been named to the USL Championship Team of the Week for Week Nine, which I am going to hopefully assume was last week. But I will, I will be tuned in more. But the veteran forward, he had uh, two goals in their Saturday 2-2 draw against the Tulsa Roughnecks. Okay. Yeah, that was pretty good. That was, that was pretty good for you talking soccer. All right, uh, here we go. Yeah, 1868, though. I'll be there. Next week, I'm coming in strong. I got all sorts of stuff for you. Vamos Azules. Adam's going to be out there in the uh, – what do they call it? The Battleborn Brigade. Yep, I'll be there leading be the charge. Well, actually – I always wanted to do, it would be fun to start at, I think they started OBP and they go down to the game. It would be fun to do that. Oh yeah. Now I've, I've seen, I mean, obviously I've been to a couple games and looking, I'm like, those people get Oh, they rowdy. get after it. They get after they it. Those get, games are fun. They get rowdy. Yeah. I and mean, we had, when I was uh, on ESPN radio up in Reno, I had head coach Ian Russell on the show with regularity. And so we'll, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll get Ian on the podcast at, at some point this summer. Um, and have him share some real soccer knowledge for us because uh, our knowledge is going to be limited at best. Uh, Reno is seventh out of 18 teams in the Western Conference. There are 36 teams in the USL, which is nuts. So they're in seventh place right now. The top 10 go to the playoffs. In their last three, they beat New Mexico in Reno 2-1. 
Then they lost to El Paso on the road, one nothing, and then they tied Tulsa 2-2 in Reno, as you mentioned. New Mexico and Tulsa are first and second in the West. So they've proven, at least early, a lot of soccer to play. The season's long, that, that they can hang at this point. They are at Sacramento on Saturday. So that's the first Donner Pass Derby of the year. That's the rivalry for Reno, 1868 FC. Sacramento is 3-3-2 and in 12th place in the West at this point. And for those who have no idea what we're talking about, I'll give one name for you. It's Brian Brown. He's Reno's career goal leader with 25. He scored 17 last year. He scored five already this year, which is tied for sixth in the entire USL. So, so Brian Brown is really their, their star player, if you will. And there's our first pro dudes. I'm pretty, I was impressed with what you came up with. I was I was a little nervous. I'm gonna be honest. <laughs> yeah, I had a feeling when uh, you asked what I had, <laughs> that the, the, you were not gonna be overstocked in the confidence department. <laughs> uh, so Reno Aces, I know that they play baseball games with frequency, and uh, Reno 1868, I know that they try to kick a ball in the net. That's pretty much yeah. what I was expecting from you. I know they're in Reno. They do play <laughs> in Reno. They play. They share a stadium. We got we got that Ooh. one. Ooh, I should have ah, used that one. That would have been a good one. Yeah. Okay, we'll, we'll jump to social. Thank you to all of you guys who asked questions this week. You know we appreciate the questions from you. We'll start on Twitter. Uh, our boy Ryan over at Law of the Jungle NV. When Boise State joins for baseball, will they be expanding the Mountain West Conference Tournament? And is this a typical tournament format for baseball? So for those of you who are unaware, Boise is going to field the baseball team next year for the first time since 1980. And right now, four of the seven Mountain West teams get into the Mountain West tournament. Will they make it five? I, I don't think that makes a lot of sense to make the tournament format five. I would imagine they stay at four. It's a nice round number. It's a lot easier that way. Here's a trivia question for you, bro. Oh, God. Seven teams in the Mountain West have baseball teams. What are the four that don't? We got Boise State. Yeah. Wyoming. Yeah. Colorado State. Yeah. And uh, who am I missing? Who am I missing? No. They're really good at basketball this year. Oh, Utah State. Yeah. That was good. That was good. There we go. Um, so Boise has had a nightmare of a time with their facility. They were going to build a, a stadium on campus, and that, that was delayed. Uh, so what they're going to do next season is they're going to play at the, the home of the Boise Hawks, which is the – Single A short season affiliate of the Colorado Rockies. Um, so I, I, I would be surprised if they expand the tournament format. I think they'll leave it at four and is, is four a normal format? I would probably, uh, depending on the size of the conference. Five actually ironically is more normal for people who are maybe more familiar with baseball because that's what Major League Baseball does. You have the three division winners and the two wild cards. Um, I don't think the Mountain West would want to create that sort of format. Um, so I, I would be, I would expect them to stay at four. Uh, John Mackey, what are your recommendations for increasing attendance at Mackey Stadium this season? It's been a talking point for years now. Uh, we talked about it a lot in the fall. We've talked about it with Quentin Conway a couple episodes ago. Uh, we, the ideas, there's plenty of them. I know, bro, you got a couple. What are a couple that you would go to? Well, one, you got to bring back tailgating. Yep. And not just tailgating, but the real tailgating. Yeah. Um, I think the, the one 
I mean, the big crowd that we're missing out on is students. I mean, gra- granted, there is, you know, the other parts, you know, the, everybody else in Reno and the fans and everything. But if you're missing the students, you're really going to be missing, mm-hmm. you know, uh, the lifeblood, I would say, because those are sure. the kids who get the, get the craziest. So yeah. there just needs to be other ways. I don't know if it's going to deal with promotions or giveaways or whatnot, but there's just got to be some sort of um, drawback for these kids. Cause I think a lot of what's going on and I, I, you know, I don't condone massive drinking in public because that's obviously not safe, you know, for the public. It's, it's why they shut down the student tailgate. Yeah. So that's not public. So it's gotta be, there's gotta be a middle ground, but, um, there's also gotta be some sort of draw for these kids. Cause you know, yeah, I won't get too into it, but we'll leave it with there. I mean, there's no question football and drinking for college students. I mean, that that's a marriage. Right. They go together. And so when you take away the drink and tailgate part of it, there's going to be less incentive for college kids to go. I think you obviously have to get the kids excited. I think what Nevada has done this spring with Quentin Conaway and Caleb Fossum doing some promotional stuff, running around campus, getting to know some of the kids, encouraging them to come out, I think is awesome. I mean, it really is a grassroots campaign. I think that's really how you make you, you move the needle in this situation for Nevada. So you have to get the kids excited. Tailgating would certainly be one of the ways you can help do that. But then you got to regulate it, and that costs yeah. money, and I mean, it's a whole thing. Well, um, what are you that's saying? a good, that's a good, that's a good point to what you're saying. Because look at what Musk did when I mean, Nevada was good, not great, but he was running around campus and he was mm-hmm. doing all sorts of stuff. And that ties into what I was going to say next. What Musk also did, he did crazy promotional videos. And he ran around campus, and you see Jay Norvell starting to do a little bit of that. The Forrest Gump video they did a while ago was hilarious. Mm-hmm. But Musk also won, and that ultimately is what is going to drive attendance. If Nevada starts winning games. People are going to show up. It's kind of the way it's always worked in Reno. There will be the diehards, but you're not going to get the kind of fringe fans um, unless you're winning games. And Nevada started winning games last year, and that's why this season is going to be so important to build on the eight-win season. And that's easier said than done. You, you start in a, a new quarterback. You don't know who that's going to be. You lose your entire secondary. Uh, it's just... It's not that simple to say, hey, they won eight games last year. You should do it again next year. Um, so winning would certainly be one of them. You could say earlier kick times would help. That's more or less out of Nevada's hands. And then I would say those are really the big three things. Tailgating, more wins, earlier kick times. Um, again, this is a talking point that's been around for a while. This is not a Nevada-specific problem. This is a sport-wide problem. That colleges are, are facing with later kick times and TV availability. And truthfully, it's easier to watch a game on the couch than it is to go spend however much it costs to drive to the stadium, park, buy your ticket, buy food, spend that, be there for four and a half hours, get cold. I mean, there's a, there's a lot more draw, truthfully, to watching on your couch. You just miss the environment, the experience. And that's mm-hmm. what Nevada is going to have to try to create. And you do that by largely by winning games. So, I mean, that's really what, what largely it comes back to for me. All right, fake Matt Mummy. Just what the hell happened on Saturday with the Kentucky Derby? I'm not even going to pretend that I have any clue what the heck happened. All I know is some sort of bumping happened and then a horse was disqualified. Weird Kentucky Derby. So you have the favorite, Omaha Beach, gets scratched days before the race. And then you have what who becomes the favorite, Maximum Security. Maximum Security wins. Wait. No, he doesn't. He gets DQ'd for bumping 
into a horse for cutting them off, and you can understand why they do it. These horses are 800 pounds. They got fragile legs. If you, that happens, horse breaks its legs, someone loses a ton of money. Like you, you can see why they do it. I do think it's a little bit silly. Like they are racing. It is your job as the horse, the racer, to not let someone pass you. So mm-hmm. I mean, I, it's a weird rule. Uh, and then Country House ends up winning at 65 to one. I think it was the longest odds in the entire race. Um, worth noting, my horse, win, 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 got ninth overall, did not rep. Um, <laughs> did a nice lose, lose, lose. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, if, if you're getting DQ'd, you're losing the biggest race of the year for something like that. I would say you guys are, it's a weird sport you guys like. I, I, I don't understand it. Never I'd been be a horse racing guy. I'd be curious about how much money that jockey missed out on. Ooh, yeah, that would be a bummer. Yeah, that'll be some research. Answer next week. Blake asks another horse question. If you could name a racehorse, what would it be? Uh, it'd probably be something like Eat My Dust or More Than You. More Than You. <laughs> something like that. You just got passed by More Than You. How about this? The Reno Slant. There's a marketing Ooh. idea for you. And then comes the Reno Slant around the corner. <laughs> All right, so when we do uh, make it big with this podcast in 45 years and we have enough money to get a horse, we're going to put it in the Kentucky Derby. And just so the announcers have to say the Reno slant over and over and over and over again. And it's going to be a slow horse. Oh, absolutely. That's, that's has, all the money we stand out in, in some yeah. way. It's got some sort of character, that, characteristic <laughs> that people love. Uh, Trav ASU. Last year, the defense overachieved. But with Ganji and the wide receivers coming back, the offense underachieved. A lot of three and outs. Feels like we should put heavy stock into Castile, Jeff Castile, the defensive coordinator. But if Mummy, Matt Mummy, offensive coordinator, doesn't produce this year, we should head in a new direction on that side of the ball. Thoughts? Okay. Fighting words. I got I got some thoughts here. So from 2017 to 2018, here's what the offense did. Points per game went from 28 to 31. Yards per carry went from 4.2 to 4.5. Rushing yards per game went from 127 to 152. Passing yards per game went from 270 to 279. Touchdowns went from 42 to 49. Those are all good stats, obviously. The two two things that did jump out at me, looking at the stats, and I was aware of them, I just needed to know what the exact numbers were. Third down percentage. Uh, third down... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Conversion. Conversion. I need to get back into football season mode. Uh, <laughs> conversion percentage dropped from 40 to 32.5. That's a big drop. And interceptions in the second year of the system with the senior quarterback went up from 15 to 17. Um, I think you had Solano throw three picks against Fresno State, so that number is a little skewed. You have a bowl game in there, so you have another game uh, to throw picks. I mean, I, I wouldn't say last year was a disappointment. I mean, the offense was noticeably better last year. Um, that said, the defense certainly did carry the water for this group. There were some tough stretches. Losing Ganji for, for Fresno hurt. He was banged up a lot of the year. That said, Ganji was a solid quarterback. He wasn't an all-conference guy. He, he's not going to be a guy who's going to go down in, in Nevada's record books. He, he was good. Um, but I, I mean, he wasn't great. He wasn't the next thing. He wasn't going to set the record books on fire. It was the second year in a new system for him. So I would say all things considered last year was a good offensive year for Nevada. 
there were stretches, and you mentioned three and outs, Travis. You it did feel like there were a lot of them. One thing that bugged me a lot last year is it felt like there was a ton of runs on second and long. Why are you running on second and long? I will never understand that play call, not only at Nevada, but anytime I watch a football game and that happens, what are you doing? I, 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 that one I have a tough time understanding. Um, but it does add some nuance, right? To the decision that's coming being who is going to start at quarterback next year. Um, it is a massive decision. Um, the more I think about it, the more I, I find myself talking myself into Malik Henry. I had a feeling you're going down that road. I find myself talking. He just feels like the more exciting player at this point. Uh, I, f- I would feel a little bit for Christian Solano throwing it way back to when I played high school football. The same thing happened to me my senior year. I started a couple games. They got benched for a junior and he set the world on fire and I pretty much watched the rest of my senior year from the bench and it sucked. Um, but that's, you, you put stock in the younger kid because he's going to be around longer. Yeah. Um, invest him in the future. And if you want to really go young, then you go maybe Carson Strong, the, the red shirt freshman. So bringing it full circle, I would not say Matt, Matt Mummy is on the hot seat even a little bit. The offense is clearly progressing. I think an, another potential knock would be, you know, what, what is this offensive identity? Are they a run first team or are they a pass first team? How does that change? depending on who's on our center. I think that is certainly going to be a factor. Um, so I would not say that mommy's on the hot seat even a little bit. The one thing to maybe be concerned about with the coordinators is if Jeff Castile does it again next year, how much longer is he going to be in Reno? I thought that might have been a concern this year is maybe a power five tries to swoop him back up as he kind of reignites his career. Um, but yeah, kind of fun to look through some of those numbers. Over on Instagram, Marcus asked us, if you had to power rank the top five arrested development inside jokes on the show, what would they be? Did you put a list together? I got a list. I love it. All right. What do you got? Number one, I've made a huge mistake. I texted you that today. You did text me that. That was hilarious. One of my favorite ones. Next one, Mr. F. Ooh, that's a good one. How they tie that into a bunch of episodes. Third one would be the never nude Tobias. <laughs> There, there are, are dozens d- of us. I have that. Yeah, I have that written down. We will not be silenced. <laughs> um, you got how nobody in the family knows what a chicken looks the or chicken sounds dance. like. Yep. The chicken dance. And then my, I had to. This one was tough, but I ended up choosing the Milford, the Milford Academy over Ang Young. Ang Young. Ang Young. Neither, neither seen nor heard. <laughs> All right, so I, I got a couple of those on here. The first one I went with was no touching. <laughs> yeah, no that's touching. a great one. Dude, great I one. watched the uh, – I did watch a movie this weekend, the Ted Bundy movie on Netflix. The, oh, the with series? Zach, with Zach – no, there's a movie. Oh, with Zach Efron as, mm-hmm. Ted, as Ted Bundy. And there's a scene where he's in jail and the guard literally says, no touching. And I thought, <laughs> arrested development. Do you think of George Bluth? <laughs> hands hands up. No touching. All uh, the so I, I went that one. I went with uh, whatever his name is. That's why you always leave a note. Oh, Walt, Walter, Walter Weatherman, Weatherman, Weatherman or something. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so I got that one. I have the snap, the sad Snoopy song. Do yep. do 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 do. I, I do that one with frequency. I was gonna say. <laughs> uh, I also have. I've made a huge mistake, and then the last one is her. Her and Anne. Who's Anne? Who this is a funny thing where she puts an egg in her mouth and then puts mayonnaise. 
yeah, so I, it, it's funny to put that together, how many of those I actually say on a regular basis. Like, you say them so often, you don't realize it. You're like, wow, I say yeah. a lot of these. Just part, just part of your daily vocab now. Uh, Bradley asks us, why don't the Chicago White Sox wear white socks? Uh, if they wear stirrups, I'd imagine they're wearing white socks under the stirrups. Uh, I did a little research on this. The White Sox were originally the White Stockings. Which was mm. the original name of the Cubs. And they became the White Sox because the newspaper in Chicago got tired of writing stockings. It didn't fit in the headline, so they shorted it, they shortened it to socks, and now you have the White Sox. What a bunch of pushovers. Yeah. Weird name either way. The, the socks. The, yeah. They could be the hats or the shirts or the pants. The belt is weird. We're the, we're the Chicago article of clothing. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Bradley also asks, do you think a team's mascot plays any role in recruiting? With that being said, what are your top six best and worst mascots? So I think when a recruit visits campus or even when he's considering a school, the very first thing they look at is the mascot. I think there's no question about that. The mascot has a huge pull in recruiting. No, it does not matter at all. Uh, I put, I started doing some research. Uh, last night, and I was like, what am I doing? Why am I looking so far into this? So I, I did find a couple funny ones. Mm-hmm. So for worst, I went with Stanford Cardinal. It's just stupid. You're a tree. Stanford annoys me whenever we play them in football, so I just had to throw Stanford in there. Some other weird ones. Scottsdale Community College. The Fighting Artichoke is their mascot. You have the UNC School of Arts. The Fighting Pickle. Um, some other weird ones. You have the St. Louis Billikens. Um... And I was thinking about this. Just a weird one. The Green Bay Packers. The Packers. Like, is what is mascot. that? I did, I did a little research on this one. So way back in, it was like in the early 1900s, Lambeau, who was the owner of the team, he went to his employer and said, Hey, I need you to buy our uniforms. His, he worked at a packing company. The packing mm. company said, we will buy your uniforms if you call the team the Packers. It's like a marketing thing. Oh my. And that's how Green Bay became the Packers. I mean, it, at, at first it was, an, it was a joke, like everyone who lives, uh, in Green Bay just wants to pack up and move. So that, yeah, would, yeah. that would make sense. Um, but yeah, so you got th- those in there. The Alabama elephant. I know there's a story there. That's a weird one. Uh, some good mascots. D3 pride. The Whittier poets. I think it's just an unbelievable name. Miami has that duck thing, which is pretty cool. I don't even know what that is. Colorado. Mm-hmm. Has Ralphie, that giant ass buffalo that runs out on the field before games. Um, so kind of there's talking mascots for the second straight week. You forgot about the Rebels. Oh, Rebels, being, yeah, for sure the worst. Being, being one of the worst. Yeah, yeah, they're in there. Good call. Good call. By the way, the Wolfie Jr. thing we talked about last week, the Capital One, I guess it was one of our buddies who like helped start that movement. So Carl, if you're listening, shout out. Fred Ricks. Uh, we did get one question via email from Andrew. He said, now that you and Tara will finally join the rest of us on the emotional roller coaster that is the game of, or that is Game of Thrones, will there be a new weekly slant taking listeners through your watching of the show? P.S. We, okay, I promise not to spoil anything. This is the problem. I'm going to be talking about it and you guys, I know people are going to spoil it. They're going to throw spoilers out there. So I may, Drop things in there every once in a while. Um, uh, but I, it, I guess not even worth asking people not to spoil it. Like I just, just, just spoil it for me guys. 
and hopefully you do the opposite. And I'm going to do my best job to veto everything. So, <laughs> Okay, let's get out of here on Random Reno. Um, I'll start this week. Uh, you know those videos that you that we always see of Tahoe in the winter when there's a storm and you got the four to six foot waves and there's some crazy dude in a wetsuit surfing? Mm-hmm. Researchers, ha- or researchers have discovered evidence that a tsunami occurred at Lake Tahoe between 7,000 and 15,000 years ago. And obviously it had to be pretty substantial if they could find evidence of it from that long ago, uh, which is kind of crazy to think about. And they believe that more are likely to occur because the lake sits on two fault lines. Yeah. It's believable. A Lake Tahoe tsunami? How do they even figure that? I, that's where science baffles me. Like the evidence to get to figure that out. I love this. Adam versus science one on one on the Reno Science Land podcast. Science wins every time. Spoiler. <laughs> but think about how crazy, like that would suck for a lot of people with a lot of really expensive houses on lake level. You better get some tsunami insurance. How big, do you, how big do you think that wave could be? Like realistically? <laughs> I have no clue. Uh, I mean, what classifies a tsunami? How big's a wave gotta be before it's just a really big wave? I mean, it's gotta be a giant ass wave. It doesn't have a ton of room to like get a ton of momentum. That's, yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it, it, it has to like literally, you'd see it like just rise from the middle of the lake. Just, it's like, 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 oh, look, like look a at wave, that lake. Like a wave pool. Lake's, yeah, lake's a little choppy today. Oh my gosh, there's a 300 foot wave in front of me. That's wild. I mean, it wouldn't be that big. I mean, I'd imagine it'd probably be like 10, 15 feet. Did science tell you that it wasn't 300 feet? That's the research. That's the number I want to know how big that freaking wave was. Yeah, there we go. Until science comes out on that, I'm not satisfied. <laughs> All right, what'd you find? Take it as you may. This is coming from Kiora.com, which I'm pretty sure is just anybody can write it. Trustworthy source, yeah. So take it to the bank. It's true. They said the mob never gained any influence in Reno, and I find that hard to believe. The mob never gained any influence in Reno. What are they t- mobs were all over Reno. Kiora said they aren't. I, I, a, I have questions of, for it, Kiora. It's a lot of Italian family names. But it doesn't necessarily mean the mob. Yeah, maybe it was someone just the rival of the mob. They're just revisionist history. Just a mob fraction. They call themselves something else. <laughs> the glob. <laughs> the glob. And that is our show this week. Thank you to every single one of you who listen to this show every single week. The show is for you guys, and we certainly appreciate uh, your support. Thank you to Jalen McLaughlin and Kane Milling for coming on the show this week. Thank you to our sponsors over at Silver and Blue Outfitters, Tipsy Elves, Movement Nutrition, and Toyabi Golf Club. If you want to hit Toyabi Golf Club for free with a buddy, all you have to do Slide on over to our iTunes landing page, leave a five-star iTunes review if you have not done so, and maybe we'll pick your review on next week's show. If you haven't yet, please consider following and subscribing to the Reno Slant on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. It's just at the Reno Slant. You know we'll be right back here next week, same time, same place. Have a great, great weekend, you guys. Go Pack. Thanks for listening to the Reno Slant, the podcast for Northern Nevada sports fans. Until next time, and we're still not talking about the Loyalist Chicago tournament game.